You're listening to The Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema, bringing class to trash since Welcome back to the Gentleman's Guide to Midnight Cinema. I am Large William. I am not Sammy or the Samurai. Sammy is off in West Virginia looking for a bog monster in his version of the Mystery Machine. It's an El Camino. Um, It's just, you know, duty called. But we are joined by two... Uh, A-team level gents uh, this week. So joining us uh, on this side of the border is dear friend and the coolest of uncool cats, Chris. Chris, welcome back. No problem, fool. Oh, wait. Sorry, I thought we were the A-team. So. <laughs> <laughs> right, see What's that? Oh, just uh, nothing. Nothing at all. Wow. Uh, and then south of us... Um, you know him, you love him. He's the Earl of Sandwich, one and only, Shawnee Rockets. Sean, welcome back. Thank you so much. Great to be here. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a while. And the crazy thing was, we were just talking behind the scenes. You guys um, weren't really ever connected. So, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's very strange. Very strange. <laughs> Glad we could get you guys connected. I, I always thought it was my aroma somehow made it over the internet but yeah it was just coincidence after all <laughs> i think it's your musk that's that's another word for it <laughs> um so yeah this week we are going to be taking a trip to france very strange very foggy region of france we're going to be looking at 1982's Litton, directed by jean-pierre Maki. um this was one that I stumbled onto going down the rabbit hole of um, Instagram. Saw a few stills, thought it looked incredible. Read a few letterbox reviews, thought it sounded even more incredible. And had to have it. So uh, we had a dear friend of the show who was able to get it in our hands. 
um, who will, it's Matt, uh, Matt from Beantown. Uh, he'll be back in the mix at some point as well. So yeah, we're going to get into that one. Um, but before we do that, uh, we're going to do something we always do around these parts and we're going to get into maybe a few things that we've been watching lately, uh, festive or otherwise. Sean, what, uh, I know you, you're just getting off a real, real meat grind of 24 hours of, uh, of, uh, cinematic bliss at the horathon. Yeah, absolutely. I um, I didn't even bring a list of what I've been watching. I was just going to talk about the weekend I just had. Let's do it. Talk about um, the weekend, man. Yeah, so I feel like this gets around on the boards a lot. I know, like, I post something and someone else will post the same thing and tag everyone. And so I feel like it gets repetitive. But, um, yeah, um, we have this group in Philadelphia called Exune Films, and they have been around since 1997. So they're celebrating their 25th year. And on top of that, they're celebrating their 15th year of the 24-hour Harathon. So I am, it's not a brag, um, it's just joyous of me to, to say that I've been going to these shows since 1999. So it's my 23rd year. Uh, I'm 46 years old, so that's half my lifetime. <laughs> um, a that's friend cool. told me about it back in 99. I went, I saw Dr. Butcher MD on the screen in a shitty little theater in New Jersey. And it was just amazing, and I've been going ever since. So this was my 15th year of the Harathon, and it kind of all comes full of circle because I consider kind of like phase two of that amazing journey has been me discovering the GDTMC and making all the friends I've made. Um, the first few years of that Harathon, I was just going by myself, sitting there stinking next to a bunch of stinky people uh, <laughs> who I didn't know. I wasn't there. I met one, I met one, made one friend, non-GGTMC related. We went for a few years and then I discovered this group and now I've got like a whole band of uh, cinephiles that I get to go with. And it's just, it's just the greatest time of the year for me. So uh, this year is no exception. We had a, just an awesome group of guys. Um, the lineup was, as I keep saying, is probably the classiest um, lineup I've, I think I've ever seen. And I'll just go through the titles. Um, generally 24 hours, you get 14 movies in this case, it was the 15th year. So they threw in a 15th film. Um, it started with peeping Tom, um, Island of the Lost Souls, then Mothra, then the hunger, then repulsion, then lizard in a woman's skin, then twins of evil, then Suave's the church and deranged, um, panic with Warbeck, uh, Speaking of the A-Team, um, Supernatural from like 1932 or something like that. Um, Ferrars Body Snatchers and then Dreamscape, which I haven't seen since I was like probably like seven or eight years old. And then it ended with The Descent from 2005, I think. So just a great like varied um, in terms of decades, mix of movies. Um, generally, I would say out of 14 movies, there's usually about five first time watches for me. In this case, like to me, it was like they were hitting like the Criterion titles hard in the beginning. And for me, I learned a lot of souls, Peeping Tom, Repulsion were all first time watches, um, as well as The Hunger, which I just had never seen that somehow. Yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Um, I'm at this age now where and it's kind of like the joke of our group that I I nod off like just randomly anytime, anywhere. Sometimes I try to be strategic about it. <laughs> and sometimes I'm like, oh, my gosh, Peeping Tom's playing. I've never seen Peeping Tom. And then I'm just I'm just asleep like five minutes later, um, so I do have to revisit Peeping Tom. But it was great. Uh, again, surrounded by just the most amazing friends, and it was just one hell of a weekend. So, 
still recovering from that. I was telling Christopher that every October I do 31 for 31, um, although right now I'm about six days behind. But anyway, that's to be posted at the end of the month. So that's it. Was, uh, what was the highlight for you of the first time watches? Um, great question. Through here real quick. Um, so again, I was trying to keep this brief. Okay, I have to admit, Repulsion, first time watch for me. I watched most of it. I fell asleep for maybe 15 minutes, <laughs> and they were like a key 15 minutes of it. So I did not mark that down as an official watch. Um, the Hunger and Island Lost Souls, I were I was, both first time watches. I stayed awake for both. Uh, they were awesome. Um, I think for me, it might be The Hunger. I thought that was a great movie. I, I, I've never been like a sexy vampire person. Um, and that's what I always thought it was. I think like as a kid, you know, there's certain movies as a kid at my age in the, in the early eighties where you know about it, you see it, but it's like Susan Sarandon's in it. And Dave, you know, David Bowie, who at that age wouldn't have meant anything to me. And I think it just felt like one of those, um, you know, just grown up sexy vampire movies or something. I don't know. But now that I'm a grown-up and then I see it on a big screen, it was a pretty great movie. I thought it was really cool. Yeah. Yeah, it's a good one. I'd only seen it for the first time this year as well, and I, I thought it was pretty great. It's Tony Scott, right? Yeah, it's Tony Scott. And I was going to say, I didn't even realize that. Like, yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, was just, it was paced really well. It was just an original story. And, yeah, it was really cool. I really dug it. It's very nice. So, uh, excellente. And... Hopefully I can get up, get down there one of these years. Please do. Yeah, that'd be cool, man. That'd be cool. Hey, Chris, what about you? What uh, what have you been digging into, man? Um, my usual tons and tons of Tubi junk, but uh, I did see one I really enjoyed. Not on Tubi. I saw it. I think off uh, Apple TV or something. Two Witches. Arrow just released the Blu-ray for it. Um, I can't remember the name of the director. I will click on it so I can not have to use my really really crummy memory uh now i'm gonna have to use my really really crummy reading skills pierre tisagardius is not his name so don't quote me on that but it's something like that <laughs> um but yeah it was a really cool movie really atmospheric um i didn't know it was gonna be uh sort of what what i guess you'd call it a duology uh as opposed to an anthology it's two different stories hence two witches mm-hmm. um but yeah, it was uh, really atmospheric. I like how the director, writer-director juggled the idea of the witches representing like strong, independent women. And then also their baby-eating Satan worshippers. And they sort of, uh, uh, there's definitely a battle of the sexes things going on in there. It was just a really cool little film that, yeah, had Arrow not put it on their webpage, I would have never even heard of it. I still haven't really heard much people talk about it, but... I was quite impressed with um, it's a low budget, like obviously very low budget film. And the director did a lot with it. Very cool. And what uh, what year was this or like era? Um, I think it takes place. in. It was 2021. Um, and I think it just takes place in modern. I don't think it goes back in time or anything like that. In fact, I would guess it. It's 2021 if COVID had never existed. Interesting. Interesting. Okay, cool. Um, 
I won't talk about uh, a ton of stuff just in the interest of time. Um, but I will maybe talk about, yeah, maybe one or two just uh, quick things I've watched. Let me just, let me consult my letterbox. Because I, I got to say, sports finishing for us has been very timely. Because now I think I'm definitely going to hit 31 for 31. And I'm going to probably hit like 35 for the month. Nice. So yeah, it's been uh, it's been a good good month, man. Like I've I've been crushing it. So I'm uh, I'm quite pleased with that. Um, I was telling Chris that I'm I'm behind, way behind. So I'm gonna have to start doubling up every day now, doubling up and tripling up. <laughs> oh, that's that's the thing, right? So challenge uh, accepted. So yeah, yeah, no doubt, man. It's a thirty-one for thirty-one. Are those all first-time watches, or just they have to be? It depends. Pepper, pepper in both, but mostly first time for me. Okay. I didn't know if there was like a rule. Like, is it just it has it just has to be horror? That's my rule. Is it has to be horror? Like, some people do first time watches. Some people do you know certain eras or themes each year because they they have the ability to just crush everything and plan it out. But I'm literally flying by the seat of my pants every Halloween, just trying to jam them in. Um, yeah, you know it's 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 tough, right? But um, I'll uh, I'll talk about a couple I watched just very quickly, not to get. Uh, too in depth so i uh, i finally had a chance to to catch up with x the ty west film um i really liked it uh ty west is is to me sort of in that second tier of really good horror filmmakers right now um i feel like he he has moments where he almost hits like the heights of sort of your ariasters and and peels and eggers um he's just he's right there he's scratching the surface and then he kind of doesn't quite hit the mark but x is x is interesting i think i was saying to you chris off the air it feels very at times like there's sort of a very um i guess socio-political commentary absolutely on, um uh, certain you know uh, evangelicals and hypocrisy and things like that and you know but it's yeah. and it kind of goes into its own thing and but, you know, it's, it's good. I, I quite liked it. I thought everyone was great in the film. Uh, I think I'd said to you, Chris, as great as Mia Goth is, uh, I think Brittany Snow's fantastic in the film. And uh, hopefully she has a little more, a little more love uh, from people because she's great in it. Yeah, I thought she was really good, too. I think we discussed this. I said, I, I love Ty West, too. It's weird. He disappeared for, like, a long period of time, like, after that... Uh western he did which wasn't a terrible western it was just sort of like oh why did he choose to do this but yeah. I, I notice a lot now and i don't think this is a spoiler for the movie at all um but yeah I've, I've been noticing there's a real sort of genre thing where it's now old people are meant to be creepy like there's actually a movie on netflix called old people <laughs> creepy old people and it just sort of i have yet to find them creepy and maybe one of these days i'll find someone pretending to be old scary but it'll as i said the visit worked uh for me with the creepy grandparents mm-hmm. yeah it's it's strange i you know there's i think obviously a through line with um sort of social media and you know people chasing image and smoothing out the lines even more so with photo editing and things but 
Um, I guess we can leave that intellectual conversation for another time. And maybe uh, it's because I'm getting old. It's like, how dare those youngsters? I hate <laughs> That's right, man. Uh, watched one other one. Quickly mentioned here. It's one that eluded me for a long, long time. And I was uh, making some Snoop with uh, with our younger son. He had this Snoop Dogg cookie recipe he wanted to make. <laughs> That's awesome. Which is pretty amazing. And he even kind of coyly said to me, hey, Dad, you know what the secret ingredient is? I said, uh, 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 uh. <laughs> dramatic pause. And he went, peanut butter. So we made these Snoop Dogg Rolls Royce cookies. They're delicious. Um, we crushed a bunch of them. And we watched The Intruder. So, oh, nice. Yeah. So this uh, this one's fun. I like the setting. I think it's a good use of what they had available. Some really good practical effects. It's it's KNB, you know, very early on. Um, the only thing that doesn't work for me is, you know, I'm always I'm always a little. I just I kind of bristle at kind of the goofy stuff, some of the goofy energy from like you know the Raimi. Yeah, Spiegel for that. Yeah, so I mean, you know, Spiegel does a good job, but I just it gets a little goofy for my taste, and then it's it's interesting, kind of the back end. I don't know how intentional it is, but um, it kind of feels like a bit of a nod <laughs> to um, Not a Living Dead a little bit, like the way it ends. Uh, yeah, Raimi's, the Raimi's whole crew's a big fan of that film. Well, there you go, there you go. So yeah, so it's fun, definitely fun. Some really great, really great. There's a really great uh, kill with a saw. That's that's just wonderfully done um but yeah no fun stuff i always uh, remember that one as uh back in the vhs day they had the picture of the kid like it's uh who done it really at the it's not a shock or anything but they had the picture of the killer on the front of the box like yeah, that's which it's kind of weird it would be like putting the picture of the killer in scream or something on the cover holding a knife it, yeah i remember being very disappointed that why would they choose that artwork yeah, it's very odd, very odd. But no, that's uh, that's a fun one. I'll save some of the other watches uh, for another time. But uh, speaking of time, do you gentlemen know what time it is? Nine twenty-three. Oh, what time? It's time. <laughs> this or that. Okay, so I'm going to ask you guys just quick a little uh, handful of this or that. So you tell me which one you prefer. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll start with, um, why don't we start with you, Sean, uh, on each of these, and then Chris, uh, chime in. Uh, the Thing or Texas Chainsaw Massacre? Oh. Oh, Texas. My turn. Texas. Okay, yeah, Chris. Uh, the thing. Okay, a split. I like it. Um, now we'll go Chris on this one. Reese's peanut butter cups or Heath slash score bars, depending on which side of the border you're on. Ooh. Reese's all the way. Oh my gosh. It's not even a question, Will. 
Reese is any. Uh, that's fair. I'm, I'm, peanut butter cups are king for me. They're king. Oh, queen, yeah. Jack. Yeah, it would be like asking Reese's peanut butter cups or mud. Like it's it yeah. always. I love score and Heath bars, but yeah, the Reese's peanut butter cups are way in front. Um, Chris, uh, sorry, Sean, I know you don't like sexy vampires, but what about vampires on the whole or werewolves? Which one? Uh, oh, gosh, your... It's tough. I am not a fan of werewolf movies. To me, there's only one good one. Oh, um, really? Oh. Yeah, so I'll, I'll go vampires, but um, I, you know what it is? is um, just when I think there's, I'm not considering a good vampire movie, I see The Hunger. Yeah, like there's always a good vampire movie out there. You what about Near Dark? Out. So, vampires. Have you seen Near Dark? That's my fave. Near Dark? Sean, you have not seen... You have, right? Yeah, of course. Whoa, yeah. So I that's a good vampire movie. Knuckles. What's that? Oh, I was just doing the pig knuckles quote. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Okay, Chris, what about you? Vampires or werewolves? Um, werewolves. Whoa. Good. Yeah, I love the idea of the werewolf of when it's done right. um, That's my thing. It's not that I have anything to do any problem with werewolves. I just feel like they never do it right. I agree. And I think too many times the human being becomes evil himself. I like the idea of like a Larry Talbot um, who has no idea he's doing these horrible, horrible things at night. Um, and like an American werewolf in London, I like the howling, but of course, you know, the humans know are just as evil as the wolves. But I think I've seen, I've seen enough good werewolf movies that that really hits my sweet spot of like an innocent guy who is doing things that he can't control. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I just that werewolf mythology is just fantastic to me. And when it's done right, like American werewolf in London is one of my favorite movies ever made uh, me too. favorite universal movie. Um, and I even like stuff like dog soldiers and stuff like that. So, and I thought I saw where uh, just W E R I thought was a really good, uh, I think found footage werewolf film. Um, yeah, I, I really well, good werewolf film is a great film. I'm gonna, Chris, I'm going to hit you up for a list. So, okay. I'd be happy to. Yep. Wolfen, man. I'm going to rep for Wolfen. We covered on the show some time ago with the Albert Finney jam. That in a Dude. long, long time. It's a good one. Dude, a- man, put the Wolfen up there with the hunger for me. I remember being a little kid and putting on like USA up all night and like seeing stuff like The Howling and seeing stuff like Wolfen and being like, wait a minute, when's the werewolf stuff happening? And I, I don't know if it ever happens in that movie or if it's something different. I don't even know. So, I would just turn the channel and I never got back to it. So, so go revisit it. It's a little long okay. in the tooth, no pun intended. Um, but it is it is really good. And it takes a bit of a different turn than you normally get from werewolf films. So that I remember for sure. Yes. And Finney's like, you know, he's he's macking in that one, man. Yeah, Finney's Finney. I don't know if I've ever seen him give anything but a good performance or a great performance. Finney gonna Finney, man. Yeah. I will say this, gents. Uh put me in the middle of that werewolf sandwich in Halloween too any day of the week. Yes. I was going to say there's very few good werewolf sequels, but then I forgot uh, Howling 2. Yeah. Masterpiece. Stick me in that bed with that that guy from Pee Wee's Big Adventure and uh, what's her name? Oh, Sybil Danning, is it? Sybil Danning. Oh. (laughs) I don't think show her get her top off enough times in that movie. (laughs) 
No. I think they needed to do it another 20, 30 times just to really... Paid per peel, I think. <laughs> Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. Um, so, who are we on now? Chris first, right? Sure. Silver yeah, Bullet? Oh, sorry, go ahead. That's okay. Silver Bullet or Pet Cemetery? Ooh, both I'm not crazy about. I would have to go... Man, there's one really good part in Pet Cemetery, but I guess overall, Silver Bullet. Is this is this on me now? Is this me? Yep. Yes, it is. Oh man, can I can I say something? Silver Bullet's one of those movies I watched a hundred times as a kid. I I have it. Someone cringled it to me. I have not seen it in thirty plus years. Um, Pet it's, Cemetery. It's, it has never been my jam exactly, but I did recently see it at I think a horathon or something, and I was shocked at how well it held held up. So I kind of had that expectation with Silver Bullet, and I need to revisit it. So I'm kind of on the fence with that one. But no, there's now no... I can say Pet Cemetery, but I I do not love Pet Cemetery. Okay, okay, very nice. Yeah, Silver Bullet's fun, man. It's uh, they're both good. I don't know. I, I'll uh, I guess if I had to pick, since I'm telling you no offense, I'll go Cemetery. But Bullet's awesome. Oh, that's a tough one. Shoot. I don't know, man. That's tough, man. You got me. I might have to pop that on this month. I don't know. That is a good. Uh, yeah. I'll just... I'll just intrude into like another future podcast just to give my opinion on that one. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> uh, last one for this episode: tricks, Sean, or treats? Oh, tricks! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hips or lips? <laughs> oh man! And I'll just say you don't get the weight I am without saying treats. <laughs> oh, you're doing me both, brother. Oh, it is treats, obviously. <laughs> Treats. Yeah, that's that's a good one. Okay, so that's uh, that's been this or that. We're going to come right back, and we're going to talk about, we're going to go to France, possibly Parmistan, and get into 1982's uh, Litan. <laughs> we'll be right back. and vampires um next up is 1982's jean-pierre maki jam litan uh, as i said this one um reached out to me from the interwebs it looked incredible um there was a bunch of dudes in like a marching band wearing red dinner coats with tails and destro masks and i called on the, the destro brass ensemble Oh, so good. I love it. <laughs> um, and it just, it spoke to me and uh, I started to, yeah, I had to, I had to hunt it down. So we did. And here we are. Uh, I'll synopsize this and then I'm, I'm going to lead the review. Um, 
So Nora and Jock arrive in the strange village of Litan during the Festival of the Dead. So um, I, uh, I'm going to be forthright in saying, well, I've heard Jean-Pierre Maki's name quite a bit. I hadn't seen a ton of his work. Uh, were you guys very familiar with him, like as far as seeing some of his other output or? Not I'm, just say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Go, go Chris. Oh, I, not at all. Did did we know that he he was Jock right in the movie? Yes. Okay. Yes, he does. I like how Jacques was spelled like. Uh, like <laughs> you yeah. would expect to hear a French film Jacques, but it's like J O C K. Jacques Strap. Yeah. No, it was. Um, uh, and I, I don't know if I don't know if it's just me, but he reminded me of the French Hal Holbrook. Yeah. I absolutely yeah. said a rugged Hal Holbrook had a baby with Richard Burton, and yeah. uh, that is Jacques. for handsome, but yeah. Yes. No, I did have a similar note. It was Holbrook and someone, and I'll have to get to it when it's because I, I don't want to bumble around looking for it. But uh, I do have. Uh, well, I mean, if you go if you go to his Wikipedia page, there's a picture of him from like '58 as like a young man, and he's super handsome. Really? <laughs> yeah, he's got like really cool hair. It looks like it was like he looks like he was like in One Direction or something. Amazing. Yeah, it's like a pretty timeless shot of him. I'll have to look, but no, I had uh, I said Holbrook in sort of natural enemies era Holbrook. Mm-hmm. Exactly. In this, so yeah, but interesting. He he lived to be ninety years old. Um, seemed to work in a lot of different uh, genres. Uh, just looking at some of these posters, they look pretty cool. Kind of some Euro crimey noiry stuff. Jane Burke, and he worked with, and you know a bunch of other people that seem to be pretty heavy in the um, the French New Wave and, and the French film by and large, but. Um, yeah, so this, you know, a lot of people mentioned in his, um, I think it was movie, had a retrospective on him I was reading, and this was one film that really got mentioned a lot, um, despite its uh, unav- unavailability. Uh, so, yeah, this opens up. I mean, it really feels like a fever dream. I guess, like, if I had to elevator pitch this, and I've probably said this to you guys, it's kind of a mix of genre land. 80s Italian zombie sensibility mixed with Jim Cotta, at least in the first half. Dude, you've nailed two of what I said, two of them. Yeah, it just, yeah. it's just a really weird, off-putting feeling. I said, uh, I said Jodo meets Fulci meets Lynch meets Alex Cox meets Jim yeah. Cotta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's all those things, right? It's um, it's really strange. It's It's got a really great dreamy yep. opening. Um, and it just... He's got a great eye. I mean, you know, some filmmakers are really great at, at it's just effortless for them to kind of manufacture atmosphere, right? And this just has it, right? Like it just the locations he shoots in, um, I don't know, France is where they shot it, a lot of really old buildings. He's pumping the fog in. Like he's pumping it in more than Fulci ever has. Oh, dude. Dare I say. This this movie makes Conquest and Rumblefish blush. Yeah. I mean, it's super foggy, man. Super foggy. So instead of Fulci Fog, we get Maki Mist. <laughs> Perfect. So, yeah, man. Uh, and then we get this marching band this uh, who's kind of marching for the um, the Festival of the Dead, right? And, uh, yeah, they're wearing these Destro masks and, um, you know, they're strutting around town. And uh, it's just – it's weird, you know. And a lot of the things Maki does as a filmmaker um, – it, it's a lot of like off-putting kind of close-ups and odd angles and stuff to really 
kind of disorient the viewer and kind of thrust them in. Because Nora, the other lead in the film, Marie Jose Nat, um, we should say, it kind of opens up. And I think she is actually having a dream if memory serves. It's been a few weeks since I've seen it. And she's looking for Jock, right? Yeah, well, it starts with her dream, which is more like a premonition, you find out. Yes. And then that's it. Boom. She runs right out of the building and she's trying and like to find how she wakes up to see her uh, wedding photo or it's not even a wedding photo. It's just a photo of her and her husband and mm-hmm. written on it is till death do us part, which yeah. I thought that's a nice thing to write on. A photo. <laughs> I, I went around writing on all mine and my wife's photos. That and, yes. uh, wasn't appreciated. Foreshadowing. Yeah. yeah. But then right from right from there, she dashes out of the building they're staying in. And she's trying to find, I think it's Black Rock or something like that. Yeah, yeah. did this remind you at all, like, uh, the atmosphere of Picnic at Hanging Rock, but like, sort of like a nightmarish version of it? I thought of that as well. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Mountain and the Cub Scouts and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, totally, man. And I, I would be surprised if, because Hanging Rock, what year was Hanging Rock? Like 76 or 7 or something? Or I thought it was sooner, but sooner, maybe 69. Or, uh, it feels like it was definitely before this. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. before. It's a period piece, so it's hard to pin it down, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so bless you. Bless you. He said. Bless you. <laughs> a good one. Carry on. Um, so <laughs> everyone, everyone in this is in masks, all sorts of different masks, right? Yeah. And that, I don't know. I just always love masks in films, no matter how absurd some of them may get. It's, uh, they're just, they're really effective, right? Um, obvious statement, but I mean, you don't know, right? You don't know if it's just who's behind it. So, and at this point with everything being so kind of off-putting and, and sort of jarring and disjointed, it just, it does really give you that dream feel. Um, and again, Parmistan, a little bit Italian, a little bit Parmistan, little bit Roland's Iron Rose with the cemetery. Mm-hmm. Right? So, yeah, it's uh, it's grooving. Uh, pro tip, don't arbitrarily eat mushrooms in a forest from uh, <laughs> from your bloody-ass hand. What was up with that, dude? Well, that- <laughs> you can probably say the what up, what's up with this person for almost everyone in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> There's varying degrees of what's up with. Yeah. Well, I I was going to say, like, so many movies, you know, have this sort of conceit, whether it's, you know, someone stranger in a strange land, uh, whether it be who can kill a child or Messiah of evil or, you know, they're in this atmosphere, Dunwich horror. Um, But in this one, like, usually you can sympathize with the leads like, uh, oh, they're in over their heads. This, the leads are lunatics. <laughs> He's punching people and she's going to report the, her dreams to the police and stuff. It's like, yeah, yeah it's just lunacy. It It is odd. And that's the other person. I kind of got like a Warbeck or like a, like a George Siegel, maybe Warbeck. Who else? I'm trying to think some of the other guys that did those late 70s, early 80s Italian films. Like Chris, uh, what was his name? Christopher Mitchum? No, not Mitchum. I think oh, he did. Connolly? Yes, like him or like Warbeck or some of these guys. You can kind of get that kind of vibe from him. Or who was in City of the Living Dead? Uh, Christopher George. Oh, Christopher George. That's who it is, Christopher George, I'm thinking of. Yeah. So you kind of get that kind of vibe. Yeah, he punches first, asks questions later. Yeah, he totally does. He totally does. Um, yeah, so they're they're moving around, and, and we end up getting this sort of weird sense of foreboding 
there's hospitals and labs and well, well but i was gonna say what's what's cool to me is that like and you don't realize this right away because there's a point in this movie where it feels like it might become a jolly uh with yeah. one key moment but yeah, true when you when you get to the end you realize that there's that scene in the beginning with the guy who gets in the car and then drives straight into someone at the bus stop oh yeah yeah it's got a little bit of almost like an outbreak like a the crazies kind of feel to it where certain people are starting to change or act differently and mm-hmm. but but this movie is so frenetic that you it's almost like you, it's easy to forget it or it's easy to overlook it because yeah. it's almost like every scene they're introducing a new character and a new character with a new quirk um yeah it's almost like that uh what was a herzog film hearts of glass where the craziest person in the movie still seems the most sane because everyone else is so odd exactly <laughs> yeah that's precisely it with this and yeah it is easy to overlook that dude in the beginning in the moment you, it does feel like maybe we're going to shift into something really feverish but no it's it's just he gets lost in the shuffle with all the other people that are just kind of ambling through and and doing things um uh, what else do we got here? So, so you got the group of troops, the, the, almost like the Boy Scouts that are looking for the monster. That's kind of what I think launches the kind of main story. Yeah, it does. Because the, the the monster, which is the older boy, falls into the water. Yep. And then he becomes kind of like the main test subject. And and honest to goodness, I mean, we don't. I don't even know if it's a, a spoil kind of thing, but like, I don't even know if I could tell you in the end what the movie really meant. So yep. it doesn't matter. No, I don't know that. Kind of reminds me a little of uh, Britannica Hospital, like how uh, I don't know if you, either of you, have seen that. It's part of the Lindy, Lindsay Anderson trilogy. I have not. With the madness going on in the hospital there. Yeah, I've not seen it. Lindsay Anderson did uh, what? Yes, or am I? Uh, if and no lucky man. That's what I meant to say. If yeah, close enough. Yeah. <laughs> One word. <laughs> One word. Film names. Uh, yeah, no, it does. Uh, it does feel like that. Um, yeah, it's, uh, and how about, uh, Maki's shearling game? Like his jacket game is really on point <laughs> for a dude that's on the run. I mean, he keeps it going. He's, he's very, he's, he's, he's on point. Um, oh, I did want to mention this. So the DOP for this, cause keep talking about the visuals and everything else. It's Edmund Richard, uh, who worked with, um, some pretty impressive names. He worked with Orson Welles and Louis Bunuel. Oh, wow. Yeah. So there's a serious pedigree there. Right. So, um, yeah. And, and the, the film really helped by, uh, his camera work. Um, I loved uh, I loved the moment with the, there's these sheets hanging and then the sort of red arterial spray. Yep. Yeah, that's the moment I'm talking about where I thought it was going to become a jello for five know. minutes. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah for five minutes. Because the water is so important in the movie and uh, the Hal Holbrook character, Jacques, um, gets sprayed. One of the first scenes we see him, he gets sprayed with water almost the exact same way. And yep. almost the exact same reaction as the arterial spray later on in the movie. I thought was a nice because uh, yeah, I don't, I couldn't say exactly what the water represents. I have an idea, but uh, I have no idea what that meant. Yeah, that's a good call. The blood in the water, him having the this doing the exact same thing to him, and him having the exact same reaction. I thought was interesting. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And it's weird because it does take almost. <sighs> not like a paranoid thrill, like a, 
corporate corporate kind of espionage eco kind of uh terrorism i don't know it's it's just it's it's weird how this film shifts multiple times but <laughs> yeah i was gonna say yeah it's it never really stays on point like for no. very long you get about 10 minutes and and what's what i did find interesting was the fog early on in the film really starts to lift as we kind of hone in on the hospital and the corporation and the water and what's happening with that as they kind of get closer Jeez. and closer yeah it's uh it really starts to to clear up right which i you know i wish they had kept the fog that looked great but um i guess it you know represented something um what's that those fog machines cost money they do. <laughs> the fog budget wasn't endless. <laughs> That's for sure. I love uh, I love the Mercedes SUV just ripping through the town with. Um, it's great. Yeah, it was it, just a great a great kind of moment. And again, it's uh, just you know I wasn't expecting to see that in this one. There's so much on foot stuff and in in the forest and kind of mountainous stuff. Very strange. Um, do you guys know uh, you guys know Paul Taggart? Yeah. So watching this film, I openly wondered what our favorite Spaniard, Paul Taggart, would uh, would think of this one because <laughs> I can almost hear his review uh, for this one. I don't think it's a film he would be particularly enamored with. <laughs> pretty amazing. Um, pretty stunning scene with crucifixes kind of strewn throughout the mountain area. Mm-hmm. Again, I don't know necessarily what um, what. Maki, uh, Maki, yeah, Maki's going for it, but it works. I think uh, with the revelation of what the child says at the end, oh, um, yes. uh, that religion, like I think the movie's a lot about religion, um, and how I don't want to give spoilers away. So science, science and religion, science and religion, <laughs> and the fact that about our souls and stuff like that. I do think the whole film is sort of a reflection on uh, I do, like I made a joke about it that they had till death do us part at, on the photo at the beginning, but yeah, the whole movie's about death and what comes after and stuff like that. So yeah, I found the crucifixion, uh, the crucifixes that's Jesus dying on there and then coming back to life. Um, so yeah, I thought that's kind of what it reflected was uh, resurrection. No, that's a good point. That's a very good point. Um, that dude with the red bloody hand that just he's always super intense. Was he going to stroke out or was he going to drop a load in his shorts? <laughs> I don't know. I could read it to some of the film, but that I couldn't. Column A, column B. Yeah, that, that had me had me thinking. <laughs> I got to ask you guys, do you also believe in the metapsychosis of the soul? You know, it's funny. My son just asked me that. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, <laughs> Very nice. Uh, I, I got to say, I'd never seen a lead coffin used as a boat in a film before. That was a cool escape strategy. That was. Yeah. Felt almost tin tin or something. I don't know. Just very. Uh... They just needed a dog poking its head out. They did. Yeah, a little snowy, we would have been set. Um, how about Jock as well with the middle-aged white dude karate chop? Dude. It's effective. It's very effective. 
it works. Very effective. Um, and then that ruined building they're in, that building was was properly ruined. Like it reminded me of the Dion brothers, but worse, like more rundown, more dilapidated. It's. Uh, I never thought of the Dion brothers, but yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it's pretty pretty dumpy. Um, and then I even I even get like a like a warriors vibe. We get these pig faced hoodlums, the Destro band coming back, the pig hoodlums. Something else out of the blue. Those hoodlums yeah. suddenly show up. I like uh, that one scene where they're like going after their. Then she they get distracted by someone else. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Again, it, feel, it almost feels like a zombie movie at the end. You know, yeah, it does. It's weird. oh yeah, it absolutely does. Yeah. Um, I don't want to spoil too much, but I really did like that reveal with the spirits and communicating and, um, just, yeah, just that reveal at the back end, uh, I, I liked. And like, I, like you said, Chris, I think it, um, it begins to, it, it sort of bakes in some of the assertions or some of the, the things he's going for as a filmmaker, uh, at that point, um, we're kind of getting out of the fog, um, Stuart Whitman was the other one I was thinking of for Mocky. Yes. The Warbeck, Whitman, Holbrook, Menage. I, I kept thinking of the guy, and I never watched it, but the guy from Dallas. Um, Larry Hagman? Hagman? Oh, no, Patrick Duffy? Duffy? Yeah, Patrick Duffy. Wow, that's Duffy. I, I Googled him, and I was like, well, I don't think that's it. But I think it was Stuart Whitman. That's a good call. Yeah, I've never seen an episode of Dallas. Neither have I. You answered yeah. that pretty quick for a man who's never seen an episode of Dallas. Well, I was live during the Who Shot JR. Yeah. That's... I read Matt magazine. That was quite the event. Yeah. Let me tell you. Um, I didn't think we'd get a lead pipe sword fight by the river from our hero and a possibly evil scientist either. Yeah. That's and probably you... the only part of the movie that felt traditional to me. I was <laughs> like, you know, this movie's actually ending with a face-to-face good guy, bad guy. And yeah, I didn't know if it was rebar or what it was, but... yeah. But yet they made the mad like the mad scientist. Um, he wasn't a typical villain. Like no. he, I, he definitely had, I guess, motivations that were almost more pure than our heroes. He's trying to he's trying to save his wife, right, or bring yeah, his, like, what party, his wife to other than just beat up police and <laughs> run around and try not to die. <laughs> just swinging his fists around at anyone. <laughs> it's really hard to like get their motivation. Like I remember at the beginning, just like, what are these people doing? Like the husband, he brings the child to the hospital, drops him off, then runs through the hospital like a lunatic while his wife goes to the police to report on a dream she had and then makes the police go to the hospital where she disappears. Uh, so yeah, it's, it's, it's Fulci it logic, man. Fulci logic. It is Fulci logic. No, I, I, did, I think Fulci, he, he is a good director where, I'm not saying this guy isn't, uh, but you know his character's motivations. Like, you know everyone in his in their fi- in the film, like what they want. And even in like the most surreal stuff, whether it be Jodorowsky and turning your shit to gold or Literally. you do their motivations. Which yeah. creates stakes. Well, I mean, am I wrong? Wasn't Jacques' motivation to disarm the dynamite, the detonator? That, that is true. It happens I about mean, the It seemed like it was his mission for at least half of the movie. Yeah, like, I think he thought he went about it uh, pretty pretty poorly. But yeah, you are correct. And I just just to get back to that, yeah, I don't want to say evil scientist because that's that's an unfair 
branding. But um, yeah, I mean, it's almost like the eyes without a face thing where it just goes a little too far, but there's good intentions for a loved one, right? And playing that, that again, speaks to the theme of sort of playing God, right? And mm-hmm. the consequences uh, of that. So yeah, and it's no no secret, you know, the the Catholic Church in France and, and sort of the relationship there. But uh, I'll kick it over to you guys, uh, whoever wants to go first. I can if you want. I don't have much to... Uh... Like my notes are less than a page, so give her. All right, I did love the atmosphere of the Gothic fil- fishing village. I'd never really saw that. It almost looked like plague doctors or something going fishing uh. in fog, and with all the fishing I've been doing since the pandemic, kind of hey, nice. <laughs> um, let's see what else have I got here. That might, oh, I, I did think, because at first they're running from the police, but it's almost of their own doing, which I don't know if you guys have ever seen The Wrong Guy, the David Foley film, where he's on the run the whole movie, but no one's really after him. <laughs> <laughs> kind of reminded me of a scene in Halloween, like the latest Halloween too, where someone's holding a knife at the wrong time. It, it was just, it struck me it's a little humorous, uh, like. Who are they running from? Why are they constantly running away? There, there's a scene towards the end, and I'm already forgetting specifics. But they walk into a situation where someone's killed right in front of like the inspector, or whoever he is. Yeah, and they uh, he goes after the other people. Yeah, and he's like, "Get Jock!" You know, it's like he doesn't care anymore about anything else going on in this town. Yeah, and that's a Jock's own fault. Like I think at first the inspector was sort of dragged there begrudgingly uh, by, as I think he said, your hysterical wife. And by the end, he's well, not by the end, because he sort of becomes moot. But uh, yeah, he's like, we we need to stop them, like stepping over dead bodies to get to them. Exactly. <laughs> I did. I did love the line <laughs> where uh, they were talking and uh, the he said uh, when the whole town was going crazy and it was just them. And he said, we're like two lonesome wolves. And then she yes. licks blood. And yes. she's like brothers, and he says, no, Love. not others, lovers. <laughs> you know, it's like, oh, only this movie could do. Yeah. Um, I, I had an MBT, but I might have to change it now. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I did think, you know, because the movie was so, I found it, um, like, I love bizarre, surreal films. Um, but yeah, as I said, I had a really hard time uh, I guess feeling the stakes in the film or anything. Um, like for example, there's a scene where they're in a boat and uh, I'm not going to say who it is or stuff. Um, and someone says, Oh no, I think we might die. And he laughs and well, at least we'll die together. Then he falls off the boat or <laughs> the person falls off the boat. And that it just, it's little silly moments like that, that I, is, was that supposed to be poetic? um like it's a it's a end of a character arc um and then we find out something else later but yeah i think that's pretty much all the notes i sort of the other stuff i chimed in as we were going yeah i think the for me at least the stakes felt moot like i'm okay with stakes shifting every five minutes or the perceived stakes 
you know, because a film, I don't think Maki is too concerned with stakes. I agree in some cases it would. um, If it was a different film, like, say Forbidden Zone, the Richard Elfman film. Yeah. You don't feel the stakes there and everything's crazy and stuff. But I did find there was something I could latch on to. Right. In Forbidden Zone, whereas this one, I really had trouble finding that foothold in the mountain and picnic at Hanging Rock that I could. (laughs) latch on to to really you know want I'm not saying I wanted to turn the movie off or anything but really wanting to like keep going like the movie could have ended at any point and it would be the same result as you know when it ended mm-hmm. um like there was I just and maybe this is me because I will say I'm not it took me a long time to develop a love for Jean Jean Rollins yeah yeah hey. I'm name. just dipping my toes in now. I'm three movies in. First time I saw Grapes of Death, I thought it was terrible. Oh. Like, oh my God. So you just wanted to suck all the fun out of a zombie film. Well, uh, and yeah. now I enjoy it. Now I really like uh, his atmosphere and stuff. And it, and maybe it is me, because I find a lot with Euro horror stuff, like the Paul Nashy stuff, it took me a while to get into. Um, it, maybe on a rewatch when. Maybe I'd, I'm not expecting a crazy film. Wait, um, wait. Because I, di- I didn't even find the film that crazy, like in the sense of like, oh, my God, I can't believe this is happening. Chris, it was more like, oh, you that's... don't like a shirtless Spanish Belushi? <laughs> is that what you're saying right now? To get into a shirtless Spanish <laughs> In tight brown. Lots of flowers and uh, lunch dates. Sorry, go ahead. So, but so, that was so, that was my so Chris, problem with the film, and I. Oh, sorry, go ahead. This or that, um, Nashi topless or Nashi is werewolf. <laughs> oh God, jeez, that's hard. Oh man, that was not right, right. a pun. That's hard. Um, <laughs> I guess I'd go for Nashi werewolf, but right. you know, either. Although I'm sure his werewolf is always topless. Uh, that's true that's true but no i do have i euro horror isn't something i and i a lot of the euro horror i do love like through uh immoral tales that pete tombs book really got me appreciating it um but yeah i just found with this one um where you guys were i guess loving the atmosphere i kind of found the cave scenes and stuff like that i did i didn't think they were shot particularly um, I don't want to say artsy, but like, um, they were very workmen for you. Yeah. In a certain way, they were workmen in a, what should have been a surreal film. And if I think of Messiah of evil, or if I think of who can kill a child or all these strangers in a strange land film, um, it does take you into this other world. Whereas maybe it was just a constant changes and we suddenly have blue lights fl- going in the water. Um, Rotoscope laser worms and. Yeah. The fucking worms yet no no i've but it's one of those things and you know a, bl- a bus driver who suddenly says he's someone else and i did like the idea of like i said hearts of glass and there's been other movies where like the strangeness is so like everyone's so strange to begin with that mm-hmm. when things start taking a wrong turn it's barely noticeable mm-hmm. um I, I did like that but i 
I kind of wish it was done better. And as I said, I didn't dislike this film. Um, just I kind of when I was watching it, I thought this is going to be one for I'm going to remember. But I don't think I'm going to remember this one very strongly in a couple months, unfortunately. I'm going to remind you every week. Done. I will accept your friend request. <laughs> <laughs> Destro gifts. Yeah. But as I said, I just not that I didn't like it. Just uh, maybe it's for what I expected. It uh, it just uh, I, I wanted more, okay. which isn't fair, fair to the filmmaker. That's fair. You wanted more Maki. That's right. <laughs> No, it isn't fair to the. Yeah, I, I should be, you know, talking about the film he delivered. But I found the film he delivered uh, was a little disappointing too. Fair, fair. Okay, uh, Sean. Yeah, I'll keep this brief. But um, for me, it was the pacing. It was that it just got right into this again, this kind of kinetic story where sometimes I feel frustrated. Sometimes with like, uh, is it spasmo or? Uh, Spasmo. What's the what's what's which is the what's the jelly? And it's one of my favorite ones too. But it's the one with all the, the mannequins and spasmo. Sorry, which one? Is it spasmo? Is that what it's called? You like it's I spasmo, see. yeah. With, um, with, um, oh, with what's it? Ivan Rasimov. Ivan Rasimov, yeah. That's one of those movies to me where, and, and I don't know why I'm comparing it exactly, but it's one of those movies where it. In the end, I love it. It wraps up perfectly. It's like one of the weird giallos where it wraps up like more amazingly than the, like, the story is told. But it's one of those movies where I'm every time I watch it, I'm guessing like where's this going, and I get I find myself getting frustrated. Whereas in this, in the case of this movie, I was questioning where's this going the whole time, but it was keeping me, it was keeping me interested, it was keeping me engaged. So between that. Between all the locations, I just thought that the locations were awesome. I just love – it's almost one of those things, and I just got done doing, like, a big Baba marathon. Um, nice. But just seeing, like, Baba shoot an old village in Italy or something like that, and it's, like uh, – it's so amazing. And it, th- this movie makes me want them to release on a Blu-ray just so they would do one of those, like, then and now tours, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. To show you. But, like, it just seems like every – twist and turn of this village there's like some dirty water canal or there's some rundown building um or there or there's that one shot where they kept like there was a road and then on the right side there was like the village on the left side was just like a steep cliff um yeah. and, and i and i agree christopher i think by the time they got to like the 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 underground scenes they weren't as exciting as some of those like the picnic and hanging rock uh sequences and stuff like yeah. that and maybe uh, that you know could have been a bit of my problem is uh, it started strong. It definitely started strong. But what what made the underground sequences for me is how the how it detonated and then it blew all the tombstones and the crosses down. I thought that was neat. I thought that was a neat touch. Um, we didn't say anything about this. The movie has like one main theme to it, but it's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it is awesome. I, I don't have an ear for that sometimes. Like I hear something like that and I'm like, I feel like I've heard this before because it's just so. It's just so awesome. It just sounds like it would fit into a Fulci film or an Argento film. Totally, um, totally. But I, I suspect that it was probably an original piece for the movie, and it's and it's absolutely it's right. awesome. fantastic. It's got this grooving baseline, and it's, it's got like a chorus kind of thing going on, and yeah, it's awesome. Um, and then again, I mean, the, the whole thing just held me entranced. Um, 
to the point where I think Yenning, whenever movies do this to me, even if it's like, uh, you know, Mulholland Drive or something like that, where sometimes I feel like the ending can't possibly live up to like my imagination of where it's going. So again, at the end when they're, you know, bad science, you know, sign sympathetic evil scientist is fighting jock on the shores with rebar or whatever they're using it was kind of like all right you know i i wish they had um, microscoped that like the blue electric blue or whatever but but the leeches yeah like that's leeches. that's that's part that remind me of alex cox you know like uh you know, oh repo yeah man. like um uh, repo man yeah and yeah. I, and to me again it sounds like you guys might have understood the the, the wrap-up to this a little more than i did but i don't know what that ever meant and i don't even know if it matters to me it, yeah yeah um, and then well, that, say one of the cool things is for a lot of films that reflect on death and uh, the afterlife and stuff like that, it does seem like at the end he did have a definitive statement, which most films don't. They leave it real wishy-washy almost, whereas when something was speaking through the boy and stuff like that, you know, those are real philosophical ideas and stuff that he was uh speaking so i thought that was really interesting yeah kind of like a, almost like a martyr's ending or something yeah 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 it's uh less sinewy but um yeah <laughs> <laughs> but no i i agree i at that point i kind of when i saw what um what was unfolding i kind of because i'll admit like i i found the first half much more appealing than the second half but um at that point, it kind of grabbed me again by the collar, and I thought, okay, so he, Maki really does have something to say here amidst all the kind of lunacy and and fog and surrealism. Yeah. Not that I needed it, but I just – I wasn't expecting it at that point. I expected it. Can I ask you, uh, I, both you and Sean, something? Do yeah. you think if the main characters, the husband and wife, the wife who, you know, was going on about her dreams and the husband who's very, you know, punchy – if they were a bit more toned down in this crazy world, do you think you would have enjoyed the movie more? No. No? Okay. In fact, in fact, I wanted them dialed up. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, man. I want them it's swinging. Not a, it is uncommon. It definitely is uncommon. Well, you know why? Because they didn't feel like, now I'm going into this, maybe giving it more, well, maybe, maybe not. Uh, I don't know how we want to take that as, you know, Maki isn't going to go down without a fight. Like he's, you know, he, he's he's going to be a man of action no matter well, what. Well, they are fighting death. Like that's, yeah. as uh, Sean was saying, the first arc of the character is him trying to stop the detonation. But the second arc is, I think, them just pretty much fighting for their lives. On the run, yeah. yeah. And, you know, it could be how human beings are like he might we're not all calm cool and collective we're crazy we do silly things we put mm -hmm. ourselves in harm's way yeah. um yeah so it very well could be him making a statement on that not every protagonist needs to be sympathetic or but yeah i just when someone's in a crazy world and they're also crazy <laughs> uh yeah I, I i don't know if i would have liked a little bit more uh what's the word i'm looking for not conflict Restraint. but a little contradiction or something with the uh if they're just as crazy as the world they're in but that might be what he's saying as well where you're like whoa 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 tone it down a bit come on jock <laughs> 
there was a little bit of me like thinking, you know, like, what are these people doing? Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've now lost Jack Sean's, uh, Sean's. So please go on, Sean. No, I was just going to say, yeah. Um, we'll, we'll will not stand for any more Warbeck cardboard wooden characters. Oh man. They got to right. Listen, they got to be men of action. Yeah. So as a passenger, I don't know, man, give me a driver. I needed Hugo Stitz. How do you say his name? A Nightmare City guy? I needed him in the movie. Well, he acting to everything. I don't know if Maki could have grown the same beard that Stiglitz could have, or worn the elbow patches as gloriously. No. 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 What if he had Adrian Barbeau as his wife henpecking him the whole way? Well. Yeah. That's, that sounds like the movie I got to see. <laughs> that sounds like all right. Um, sorry, sorry, guys. My dog's making noise. Are we, are we going upstairs? That's, a, that's, the, that's, that's not a dog's noise. So I... Oh, my gosh. Come on. Going on sorry, here. guys. This is Lethan. <laughs> I, I just punched my dog. I heard someone say, help. <laughs> <laughs> no, so my, my final comment, um, which again was just like in full effect appreciation throughout every second of this film, was I loved. Again, this is one of those movies, I'm not comparing it to the greatest of all time, but this is one of those movies where I felt like you could take a, a screenshot of any still, any moment in this film, and they always had they always had the revelers and what you know in, in part yeah. of the screen. And then you always have like one, like you, like I remember one shot where it was just like a narrow street, and it was focusing on someone in the foreground. But then you had the 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 um, the, the cop or whoever, the police chief, like walking down, uh, almost like he was on his own storyline. And then you have like you know a couple reveler heads just poking out of the windows, or at the side of the dynamite. It's like you always had revelers on the rock. It's almost like there's no parade for these people. They're just. They're just loitering everywhere in this town. <laughs> that was really effective. There were some shots of the revelers leaning up against the mountain in the foreground while stuff's helping yeah. in the background. And that, that, that was, was cool. Really good. It, and that was, was near the beginning of the film. Yeah, and then what's cool, and of course, as, as the movie goes on, and then you realize that these people are almost being like zombified or something's changing. So, you know, you look and you'll see the revelers, but they're not moving now. They're just kind of staying there still. And mm-hmm. again, I, I would agree, Chris. I, I wouldn't say this was like. I, I guess you could call it a horror film. I wouldn't say there's any part of it that was necessarily creepy to me, but um, atmospherically and with some of those shots and everything else and some of the mood and everything, it was eerie. It was unsettling. Um, but unlike Jim Cotton, man, I, I was kind of thinking to myself, I was like, I'd spend one, you know, day of the dead festival there. One yeah. day there in that town. Me too. Absolutely. Well, I will probably, I will probably revisit this film at some point because oh, much uh, like, John Rowland's films and stuff. Sometimes maybe it's something in the back of my mind that, you know, is uh, saying, hey, you know, it should be done this way. And maybe once those expectations, I'm going in with different ones, um, I'll enjoy it for what it is more. Are you you familiar with the movie Dark Water, the Russian movie? You know what? I'm familiar with it. I've never seen it. Oh, I know it's all sorts of box sets and stuff. I was going to say, that's a film I saw about 20 years ago on one of those Brentwood, like, 12-pack movie things. And I saw it one night, and the story did not stick with me, but the imagery stuck with me. And then I ended up, then I spent, like, the next, like, 18 years or something, like, 
trying to find it, and I thought it was something from like the early 70s. Here it was made in like 1991 or something. Yeah. Um, and then uh, Severin put it out a few years ago, and it's amazing. Isn't and, it in the folk horror box set, if I'm not? Oh, I don't know. Yeah, that's, that's something I'm still I'm hoping I can pick up. Um, but the, the point is, absolutely go buy it tomorrow. It's, it's amazing, and this movie is not that. But in some ways, the imagery of this movie kind of, again, reminded me of Dark Water. I just wrote down Dark Water. I am I'm gonna watch that before Halloween. Yeah, check it out. It's great. It's great. <laughs> you seen that, Will? No. Oh. It's Russian, right? You said. What's that? Did you say it's Russian? I believe it's Russian. It's Severin put it out on Blu-ray. Dark Dark Water. Oh, it's good, man. You guys gotta check it out. Well, I'm am I thinking and thinking nuns? Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's the one I'm. I remember back in the day when I was buying DVDs all the time. Uh, there was a really nice looking box set for it, and I thought I should blind buy it. Except that yeah, yeah, it had that it had like the the thing on the the circle uh, thing on it. I think whatever it is, yeah, yeah some symbolic thing or something. Also, like something like Dagon. I don't know if you've seen that. Yeah, I love Dagon. The oh, fishing yeah, yeah. and uh, you know, once again, it, almost a crazy character. It's uh, the sort of millionaire who's running through the town and getting in all sorts of trouble, which yeah, there's a lot of films like this and I've never seen one quite like Latan and maybe I will appreciate it more on second viewing when I'm not thinking of Dagon, when I'm not thinking of who can kill a child, when I'm not thinking of like all the stranger in a strange land movies that I love so dearly. That's, that's a great way to look at it. Yeah, that's okay. fair. I mean, listen, it may or may not work. Like I'll be, the, it's weird that, I'm at this point, I'm excited by things that I can compare to genre then because for a long time, we've said on the show, the running joke was he was the king of the screenshot where, you know, stuff he did would, um, would look good, but it would just kind of spin its wheels. Right. Mm -hmm. And Bridget Lahai would be in all those screenshots for the most part. Totally would be. (laughs) Um, And I'm going to look for this dark waters for sure. Oh, Oh, please do, man. Please. Yeah, I gotta see if this is. Mm-hmm. I believe it's dark water, uh, singular, dark water. Uh, but it's Russian. It's got nuns, and it's seven. And seven put it on Blu-ray, so should be hard to find. One I'm looking at is on Shutter. Well, it's got nuns, but it's <coughs> not Russian. Or it's oh. something weird. Got nuns. That's so weird. That's strange. It's from 1993. I would imagine if if it is on that folk horror box set, a lot of that stuff made its way onto Shutter. Yeah, this is not Russian. Uh, I think it's a Russian co-production. I I remember watching the. uh, Maybe you're right. Yeah, as I go further down the credits, I see a lot more. Yeah, I think it's maybe like French and Russian or something like that. No, that's fair. That's fair. Anyway, check it out. You'll, you'll, I guarantee you, you'll love it. It's, that's been added to the list. Yeah. Thanks, man. Yeah. Looking out. So let's, uh, let's get into make or breaks, MVT, yep. all that good stuff on this one. Um, so for me, the make or break is the opening. Um, like I said, it just, it thrusts us immediately in this spot with Nora where we just don't know what's going on, where we are. It's disorienting. The camera's smashed up against people. There's, all sorts of, like I said, fog being pushed in and masks and Boy Scouts and dynamite and Destro, you know, marching bands. Just very strange. So and I'm like, OK, I'm in. I'm all in. 
Um, MVT, I'd like to go with Monkey, but, you know, I'm going to go with the atmosphere here. I just feel like, for me, the the atmosphere is really what um, is the strongest thing with the film. And yes, Monkey manufactures that, but, um, you know, I have a few problems with some of the consistencies at, at certain points in the film, but by and large, the atmosphere for me is... Uh, is the most valuable thing. Uh, my score for this one, I'm going to go 7.75. That may seem very charitable, but this one just hits a lot of sweet spots, and it's certainly not going to work for everyone. Um, but this just scratches an itch that, you know, it, I'm a bit of a, a sucker for. So that's uh, that's what I got to say about this one. Oh, yeah. Go, Chris. All right, so I will do my make or uh, my make or break. Or no, we do MVT first. I really liked uh, the atmosphere at the beginning. I thought the atmosphere at the beginning was better than the sort of. Yeah, I do feel it becomes more workmanlike as it goes. Uh, but yeah, I, I really liked the beginning. Uh, the make or break was a hospital scene. I quite enjoyed that. It started reminding me of Britannica Hospital and uh, sort of. It was becoming more philosophical. Um, if I had to do a break, it would probably be the main characters. But as I said, I did like the film. I just, I really thought I was going to like it a lot more. So yeah, the hospital, once they start doing the experiments on the boy and we find out the scientist motivations and stuff like that, that was kind of, a uh, what made it for me. Score? Score! Oh, I, I score, that's right. Uh, 6.5. Nice. Very fair. Very fair, I think. Yeah, I liked it. It's 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 a good film. It just yeah. Maybe on a rewatch I'll call it a great film. Let me just ask you guys a real quick question. So the, the, like the hospital, take the hospital for example. Mm-hmm. It's in like this building that looks like like a structure, it looks like it's five hundred years old. And they've mm-hmm. got cots. It looks like a like a military hospital that you see in like wartime. Do you think I mean did they do that for the movie? Or like if I if I would drive to that village in 1982, would there be like a shopping center down the road and a big modern hospital? I think for sure it was for the movie. Okay, as do I. Okay, because it was very cinematic. It it yeah. almost reminded me of Zombie in a sense, but like an extended zombie uh, where everyone's kind of just dying. Like everyone's, it doesn't look like a place where you get better. Yeah. No, definitely not. Definitely well, not. Well, having just watched Abel Ferrara's Body Snatchers, that's what it reminded me of. There's that big sequence where they're in the military base in the hospital room and yeah. everyone's being, you know, turned into, and the husks are drying out and sucking away. And, of course, in this one, you get the old lady, with, like, smacking her lips. Yeah, and yeah. you get, the, you know, the woman, I guess, who was the scientist's uh, wife, just staring at the person next to it. It's a yeah. very pressing, yeah. like, yeah, I, th- I thought, like I said, I thought the hospital, I really thought it was going to become a lot more philosophical. Um, and it certainly had uh, a philosophy to it. But yeah, I think the hospitals were that really sunk in there. Yeah. Cool. All right. My make, and break, make, my make or break, uh, kind of like what Will said, it's the immediate kinetic energy, the pace. Um, there's just no wasting time at the being in this movie. She has a dream, a premonition of things to come. She dashes out of this, this, this building they're living in and like right into it um my mvt it was the variety of the settings it was the environment i just loved it so much um and my score is an eight i loved it nice. um 
when, when it comes down to it, I think we're just all at this point. Um, well, I think most of us where I, I'm just happy to see something I don't normally see. So that's how I felt about it. It just kind of took me, it, trans, it transported me somewhere else, you know, yeah. and I'm watching slashers and everything else. So <laughs> it's, to me, it was like watching Baba. Like I just watched, I just watched 15 Baba movies in a row. And when you're done with 15 Baba movies, you know, you feel like you're living in a different world in a different time. And that's how I felt with this. This would fit in very well with Baba's filmography. Just curiously, if you're a Baba fan, have you seen Night of the Devils? The uh, one that's sort of like, it's, you know, it's Black Sabbath segment, the Wunderlich, I think it's called. Do you, do you mean the movie Night of the Devils? Yeah. That that made my top 25 last year. Oh, my God. That's I finally bought the Blu-ray for that. That's another stranger in a strange land. Uh, that love it. Old Love woman it. running around the house and oh yep. man, such a great film. Yep. Is that Johnny Garco? Is he in that? Oh my! Different You're one. asking me it's, questions. So I have to go to letterbox to this. It's a, it's a it's one of the Raro movies. Will it's yeah. uh, kind of like a seventies. It is. It's like it's like it's like the it's like the Karloff. It is Johnny Garco? I was right. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good. Yeah, it's great. Yeah, man. Absolutely. Got some. Uh, Got some, yeah. It's got it's it's good looking film. Yeah, it's great. Shout out Chinsia de Carolis. All right, uh, yeah, that's a good review, guys. I think that's fair. I think you know what more can you say? Um, so next week on the show, we're going to be heading a little further east. We're going to go to Taiwan and check out Yao Chi Chen, aka David Chen's uh, Devil Returns which has been described as Halloween meets The Omen meets Rosemary's Baby with a rape revenge twist. So, yeah, we will be back with that next week. And, gentlemen, with that, there is one thing left to say, and that is... Adios. 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 Thanks for listening. You can find the gentleman at ggtmc.com and you can email the gentleman midnightcinema at gmail.com